Content is not that you're doing one article and you leave and that's it and you get all the leads in the world. You need to generate content consistently every month, generate two pieces, four pieces, eight pieces, 20 blogs, one white paper, but every month, every quarter, like a mantra. Welcome to the DevRelex podcast, the podcast brought to you from the DevRelex community and slash data. This podcast is devoted to developer marketing, relations, and advocacy. I'm Stathis Yorgakopoulos, and I'm your host. In each episode, we welcome a guest from the developer marketing world to talk about best practices, lessons learned, how-tos, data, and share insights and experiences to help you boost your DevRel game and win developers' hearts. You can find more people like you and resources, developer ecosystem data, news, jobs, and a bi-weekly digest at devrelx.com. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the DevRelX podcast. Today we will be talking about content. But before we jump in, I want to let you all know that our State of the Developer Nation report is out and you can access it for free. In this latest edition, we'll look at what has changed in the developer world. We'll talk about low-code, no-code, how developers in China and East Asia are different, and a lot more topics. You can download it by following the link on the episode description. Now, let me welcome today's guest, Ofir Nachmani, who is the CEO of I Am On Demand, or IOD for short. Ofir, welcome to the show. Hi, Stardis. Thank you very much for inviting me. It's great having you. Let's get to know you a bit. So as a child, what did you want to be when you grew up? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great, it's a great question to start with. Basically, you know, I think, you know, I want to be rich, but in order for you to be successful or, or you know, to, you need to build things, you need to change worlds, right? You need to create new things. And mainly I think that what I see today, you know, I've grown up to see pain points in the industry that I'm playing in. We will talk about this is my fifth company over the last 20 years. And I am always trying to, you know, to find, to find the pains, to find the challenges that the, you know, the, the, the people within an industry or within a market experience. And then you try to build things or create things to fix, to, and to help them fix the things. And of course, this can make you rich. <laughs> some, kid, some kids want to be, I don't know, astronauts, doctors. <laughs> you set the goal, I want to be rich and I'll figure it out. Well, really cool. <laughs> That's a very it's a very it's a very you know kind of a statement, but uh, I, you know it, people will think about that like you know I want to be I, I want to have money right. It's not about having money. It's about it's about really building things and, and solving people's problems in, in industries that you know we are playing in, and this is what basically we are. We will talk about this in in, in this session with you about you know solving these common marketing issues that tech brands experience for you know for a few decades right now. Yeah, thank you for teasing our listeners, but we're, <laughs> we're still trying to get to, you know to know you. So, want to tell us a bit more about yourself? You know your journey. What has your journey been like? You know, for a kid that wants to be rich from being, <laughs> you know, a blogger in the tech world and eventually the CEO of IOD. Yeah. So, so basically, you know, I'm, I'm I entered the world of of technology. I was in university and I learned, you know, computer communications. It was like 15 years ago. And when I went out, I said, you know, I, I want to do some, I want to build something, right? I want to build something. I want to build a company. I want, I want to build technology. I want, I want to see what, what the world needs. And one of the things over the, over the course of the years of, of you know, running uh, 
a company that actually did the smart scheduling for large workforce, like for example, oil, oil, oil and gas companies, they have their, you know, you know, contractors that goes around the world and, and, and fix the thing and you need to schedule the thing. So I build a company or uh, a technology that helped them to schedule, you know, the workforce. And eventually, you know, the world changed from taking a technology in-house, you know, on-prem, in your data center, to take it outside to a software as a service op- option. In 2005, we started building a software as a service and it was very, very early stage. For that matter, you know, trying to pitch investors that we are going to sell a license for $100 per user was very hard. After four years, we were acquired and, and the company that, were, that was that acquired the company that I built together with my partner was interested in actually building a SaaS offering for, you know, uh, for themselves. And one of the things that they, they try to do is to, is to start running on, on the cloud. Why it means start running on the cloud, you know, taking, you know, resources or, you know, compute with the, and storage network from an outside vendor, for that matter, Amazon, AWS. So I started to use AWS in 2008, 2009, uh, using S3 and all of that. And one of the things that was interesting to me or was you know, part of my goals was to share the, the knowledge. You know, the company will acquire us and then you, they want to use your product. They want to learn who you are. So you need to, as, an, as, a, as someone who just get, got into a new company, you want to help them and educate them on what it means cloud, what it means to use Amazon AWS, what it means to run storage on S3, what it means to, you know, to secure the environment, what it means to sell such a service and what it means to sell a SaaS software as a service solution on the web. And for that matter, I use the SharePoint, but the SharePoint, you know, to say it simple, sucks. And so I use... So I started to use Tumblr, which was a, a you know a microblogging platform. Still, I think a micro a blogging for platform, and I just you know put their presentations and put their and, and generate some text there. And in the SharePoint, they put links to uh, the Tumblr. I didn't realize that the Tumblr is public. Everybody can go in and learn about AWS, and learn about the cloud, and learn about how you sell. A SaaS solution. My English, I'm not going to make in English, so the English wasn't good. But still, people started to come to this website that eventually I understood that I'm it's a blog, and I, you know, it was an accident. I'm an I'm a blogger by an accident, sort of saying. And I hope it makes sense. You know, it's a happy accident. <laughs> yeah, it was it was interesting to see how VMware and and, and HP, you know, held the card. You know, reaching out to me on an email saying, we want to invite you to our roundtable in Houston, or we want to invite you to, you know, to be a, a, a blogger in HP Discovery. You know, you can, you're fully sponsored. You get, you know, all the benefits, you know, they're very much spoiling you being on the first row of every, you know, large keynote because you're a blogger and you're an influencer. And I, and I, and I realized that and I, you know, started to run my Twitter account and started to to get connections on LinkedIn, and, you know, today I'm, 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 I can proceed as an influencer, you know, with almost 20,000 followers on, on LinkedIn. But then I didn't understand that. And, and, and it was interesting to see what content can do, what blogging can do in an environment, which is, you know, I'm a technologist and I am happy to be a blogger. And then I, you know, I'm getting all these presents with large vendors, you know, flying me across, across the world 
just to hear what I have to say. And of course, leverage my influential, you know, capabilities and, and leverage my my digital presence to to of course do the marketing act. So so eventually, you know, you get to the point where you understand that you're a blogger in this world, and then you say, okay, so why companies are running, you know, one article per week? And 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 the question came because because I became a, a VP of product marketing at some early stage startup, and I had this consultant who told me you need to publish at least one article a week. But when I when I was a blogger, if I published one article a day, I got much more traffic, and I got much more attention, and got much more business opportunities. So why is a brand you are publishing an article once a week? And as a leader of, 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 of this blogging act within this small startup, I, I built an environment that can generate 15 pieces a week. And I did it by, by actually leveraging, understanding that I'm not the one to write the articles first. And the fact that I need to outsource this, this magazine work, basically, to freelancers around the globe. Also because, not just because of the capacity of getting more than one article per week, but also from expertise perspective, I cannot deal with everything around AWS. And for that matter, this company that I joined, startup that I was deeply there, they, you know, we we were we had a, a solution that got, that did cost optimization and and security solution for AWS. It was very early stage. We're talking about 2020, I think it was 2011, 2012, and I had to educate the market. And I managed to generate a, a system that can do lots of content on a weekly, monthly basis. The traffic grew like crazy and I learned so much of doing such a work. And, I all, and it, was always, it was always weird to me that small startups doesn't, don't, don't do that because they don't have the people in place, they don't have the skills in place, they don't have... The, the option to do that, and they don't think about outsourcing that to freelancer in high scale. Also, when I'm looking at the, at the also when I look at the, at the big enterprises, you know, IBM and such, I saw that they are using writers, and I and I didn't understand why, how a technology vendor or a brand that you know wants to be a top leader in the world and attract practitioners and experts. How a writer can do a very deep tech, for example, article or a blog post if they don't have the actual hands-on expert tech skills. And I saw there a very broken world. The startup cannot generate the capacity they need in order to generate the scale. And the large brands are using writers to do, sorry, fluff articles. In, a, in an excuse of targeting a C-level persona, what is going on in this world? And and when I realized that, I I started IOD, my first company. Um, and we can talk about that more, but back to you. I hope the story is interesting and, and it was clear. I mean, it's a great story because it's, it's funny how you, you know, work through figuring out gaps and going on to fill them. And of course, you know, it's, it's always a funny and happy accident how, you know, a, a large majority of this started by, you know, not realizing that Tumblr was public. So yeah, it's definitely a, a great story. And we will be talking a lot more about IOD and how you, 
you know, how you work with content. But first, let's talk a bit about data. So can you please have a look at devrelakes.com slash trends and tell us what graph stands out to you and why? So thank you very much for giving me the heads up beforehand and I actually did it beforehand. So there is the notion, and this is something that, that actually, you know, push companies to use our services because, because they realize one thing. Today, the decision maker, you know, you know there's, there's this marketing, the method of, you know, I'm building my marketing strategy. And I need to figure out who is the decision maker, right? Who is, you know, putting their hands into the pocket and, you know, will pull the budget and will do the, the, the and will make the decision in getting a new cybersecurity solution, okay? And getting a new tool that we will use for our purposes, you know, I'm, and just to make it clear, I'm a bank, I have my tech guys, I have my CIO, who is the decision-making, uh, what is the decision-making process to reward the decision-maker? If we will take back, you know, 15 years back, the decision-maker will be the CIO. Decision-maker will be the CTO. Decision-maker will be the, you know, the big guy that is managing the whole environment. But today, it's totally different. And because technology became kind of, we can, we, I can mention the word consumerization. I can take as a IT consumer, IT services consumer, or IT organization, I can take a cybersecurity solution, try it for a month or two, and leave. I, I'm not stuck with it. I don't need to buy servers to, to, to run it and all of that. Because again, because it's a, a SaaS solution, and it's a service and I can use it. So I can try a lot of things. There, there is no lock-in. And I can also, as a C-level persona, I can, I can go to my, to my people and tell them, Look for a cybersecurity solution, please. And the practitioner has, or the experienced developer, the experienced, the experienced tech person, first have a lot to say. They are the one to check the product. They are the one to listen to the environment, to listen to their colleagues, to listen to Twitter, and say, listen, I want to use, I want to try this product. They will go to their C-level, to their boss, and they will tell them, listen, I think we are missing something in our pipeline, in the DevOps pipeline, and I want this tool to help us. I want this cybersecurity tool to fix this point that we are. They see the pain, they see the problem, and they are also proactive enough to say, I want to try that. So basically, we go into what is called bottom-up adoption of technology. It's less about C-level say, hey, let, let's go and walk and in IBM, they will give us all what we need. No, the, the, the practitioner, the expert will go out, will research, will find a cybersecurity tool. They will use it. They will pay for it, even themselves from, with, with their own credit card. They will check it out. And if it's something that makes sense to them and works for them, they will go back to their, to their boss and say, listen, we need that. In most cases, their boss will say, I trust you. Let's pay for that. And because transition cost is relatively to what happened in the past, is small, they will try it. So, so these guys and, and, and what they see, what they saw in your report, what exper experienced developers have a bigger say in things. And the case of developer working for large organizations were the most likely to go fully remote during the pandemic. They are doing their, their work and they are taking decisions from 
you know, from their room at their apartment and they're taking big decisions that impact the tech brand or the tech a solution provider to push and attract them from a marketing perspective. And this takes us back to, you know, where we are at, at the content side of things, generating very deep tech articles because we want to attract these practitioners and support the bottom-up adaption of technology for our customers. That would make sense. Just have to say, wow, you know, you couldn't have been more articulate. I actually have not forgot. <laughs> you said everything. You said from the background to the actual data, you know, to how things are working. But yeah, I think the the bottom up is a huge deal. Things, you know, used to yeah. be like someone senior decided this is the tool we're going to use. So, you know, go ahead and use it. But now we can see developers having an actual say or influencing the buying decisions making this sure. request because they want to do their, their job effectively yeah. and efficiently. Yeah. So there is, the, yeah. the, there is one more thing just to add to what you're saying. It's very interesting. Is the delegation of the responsibility on the environment to, to the developer or to the practitioner. Okay. They need, it's, it's also on their end. They're not just doing code and, you know, at five o'clock they're going back home. Okay. Today, they are, they are testing their features. Today, they need to make sure that the developer needs to make sure that the, 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 the code that they generated is secured enough. They, you know, the, 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 develop, the DevOps people need to make sure that the production is always running. It's their responsibility. And they, and because of that, also because of that, they also need to be able to take decisions, make decisions. And this is where the C-level says, you know, it's on here, man. It's on here. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I just have to quickly say that, you know, what you discussed and what we looked at at the data at DevRelX.com slash trends come from our buying annual developer survey, which is also now live. So for our listeners, if you're a developer or a creator, whether it's just a hobby or a full-time job, we want to hear what you have to say. You go to developernation.net, take the survey, plus there's lots of cool prizes there. And of course, this helps us, you know, understand developers better, create data and content that, you know, is totally relevant. So now let's talk content. So Ophir, what, why does a B2D business developer company need tech, a tech content marketing strategy and planning? And also where and how would you start building such a plan? Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, it's, it's a trivial question kind of, you know, if, if, if I were to be, you know, not, someone that knows something about tech marketing, I will say, of course, planning and strategies is important, right? It's obvious, right? But we still see, I still, you know, I've, we have, you know, lots of customers around the globe and now we are, we are, we are every, every day I'm meeting a new person, a new marketeer, and I still see people that are saying, listen, I, ha- I have this great article that I want to write about. It's mainly, of course, startups, but not just that. Also, enterprises, you get get this marketeer and you say, listen, my boss is telling me I need an article about Google Cloud. Okay? And, and then I'm taking them back to, to planning. You know, because the, the, there is this notion that content is, is, in quotes, easy to do, very quick. You know, I can generate an article, like, and, and in a week I will have it done and published, and that's it. And I can generate lots of that, and topics are, you know, it doesn't go like that. Uh, in the world of what we call expert-based content, things take time. And generating content or generating an article that talks about the, you know, the five best features of the last release of the Kubernetes, for that matter, uh, requires a research. 
and, and research in technology takes time. A research can take months or even, you know, in a, in, 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 in a pace of a year to get to something. In content, it's not this is the case, but if you want to do benchmarking and, and showcase your product against your comp competition, it's a research that can take three months and then the marketing comes into play. So you need to plan all of that. You need to understand what that you want to say to the world. And we need to differ between marketing strategy and content strategy. Marketing strategy, you know, you define your persona, you know, who you target. You target a developer or you target a cybersecurity researcher as a tech brand, right? You want to target your people that you want to sell to. Um, and once you have, you know, the marketing strategy in place and the SEO guidelines, I want to get to be the best in the first pages of Google when the, the, the term cloud security is, is mentioned. Okay. Once you have these guidelines, then you can go and, and say, I want, I want to know which topics or which articles or which content pieces I want to share with the world, whether it's a, an infographic or a video or an audio or even small blog post. And then you need to think about your idea. You know, I have, I have this customer uh, every, every three, you know, new opportunities or customers that comes and, and work with us. Uh, this marketeer will come, you know, professional marketeer will come. I said, my CTO has a great idea. And then the question is, okay, I, I love your CTO and, and I love his great idea, but does your audience love his idea? And, and this is the case. The case is that I have great ideas and I have great creativity within, you know, my, my, my R&D team and within my, you know, organization. But do I really know as a marketeer that the outside target audience will love my idea. And, 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 the, and, the, and to be able to come with a great strategy or planning of, of the editorial, right? All the topics that, or all the titles that you want to be published for the next three months, what they will be. You need to come from two points, with, with, from two points of view. One is your internal creativity. Yes, you need to listen to your CTO. Yes, you need to get from them their ideas and what they think about, you know, the audience and what the audience will want to, to, to read about. But on the other side, and, and, and sometimes, you know, marketeers are still missing that, to look at a trend, right? Look what was the best article on your competitor website over the last six months or a year. Uh, and, and then the mix between my internal creativity and my concept, my internal concepts that I'm coming with, and, and I want to write about them. Two, what the, the trend outside, what the audience wants to listen together will, you know, if you bring them both to the same table and a good marketeer, a good tech marketeer who knows the technology and knows everything, it's very hard to find people, can take that and do a mix and generate a list of topics or a strategy, including the pillars of content that you want to focus on. A pillar means like, for example, cloud security, which is a, 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 like, like, a, like a group of articles. For that matter, if you want to define all of these, you need to have these both sides. And just as a tip, practical tip for the ones who are listening right now, we are using uh, tools like BuzzSumo, who is doing a trend analysis or, or content uh, discovery in the social. And we can see for our customers, we can monitor the great content outside that got the audience traction and we suggest our customers to do the same content, in quotes, but better or with a different angle that suits 
you know, what they want to achieve with attracting this audience. So, so basically, you know, if I want if, if to end up, you know, this answer, I will say one, unleash your general creativity, but mix it with what you see outside with the trends and try to come up with a strategy that fits, you know, mostly, you know, the audience that you want to reach out. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I kept nodding as you were actually. <laughs> I also work a lot of with content and I really, you know, believe in the power of content. And just like to point out, you know, two things you mentioned and on one of them, you know, I want to know more. You know, the first thing is that, you know, yeah, obviously writing a few paragraphs text is not, not much work, right? As you said, but the point is, what is that content going to serve? You know, what is the purpose? So this is what stood out to me that, you know, you could write like the top five features. Obviously, you need to do a, a lot of research, you know, because you do not just want to fill out, you know, internet space or blog. You want what you write to be helpful and obviously to attract attention to your product, right? So uh, this is one thing. And the other thing is that a lot of times I've also seen it and I have like numerous examples of it, that we look at it from the perspective of, you know, the product owner, let's say. This takes into account, you know, all the things you already know about the product, but you don't always see it from the user's perspective, right? So this could be a great idea, yes, if someone already knows for our product as much as we do. Now, is this the purpose we're trying to serve? Or do we need to approach it from a perspective that it will be useful, knowledgeable, you know, informative to the user that will read it or someone who will come across this and it's new to them. So this is where I, I really want to, you know, know more about, especially because, you know, B2D audience is a very technical audience, an audience with a lot of knowledge. And, you know, if, if I may say they can detect crappy content or, you know, empty words from a mile away. Yeah. So my question yeah. is, how do you create tech content that developers will like? And they will engage with. So uh, what I need is your tips to your B2D marketer creating content. So before answering, before, just in a, in a brief, before answering your question, you, you mentioned that you cannot fool this audience. You just can't. And it's more than that. If you are generating an article that is like, you know, what we say, fluff, right? As you said, they will search from, you know, 100 miles and they will stop reading it after two, after two sentences. But they will not just leave your website. Developers today know that 50% at least of their work is research. And if you waste their time with fluff, they will spend their time notifying their colleagues that this article is fluff and don't get near to this brand. So it's not just that they are leaving your article and that's it and the bounce rate of this article goes up, but they will, you know, do a, a very, it, it, it will do a very bad marketing to your brain. But carry your question about, you know, how to create such a piece and what the purpose of, of the piece. So let, let, let's, talk, let's talk about, let's, let's stay for a, for a second on the strategy side and let's say what content we want to generate and at which stage of the company and the audience. What it means, for example, you're just starting with a new product allowed, let's take the enterprise. And then big enterprise wants to get into the DevOps world. Okay. You know, they are for a long time, they are doing, I don't know, network solutions in the traditional world, 
or they are doing some IT solution in data centers in the, in, in the traditional world, and they want to go into the DevOps, automation, geek, whatever world that, you know, that is currently, you know, this is the hype, right? They need to start generating traction within this, in this, within this audience. And to do that, you cannot talk about your product. You need to, what we call top of the funnel content, you need to start generating content that is more like broad, very technical, but broad. For example, if there is a very popular open source that is relevant for your audience and also relevant for your you know, marketing strategy, then you need to start covering it. For example, Jenkins, a very popular tool. I can start writing guides and explanations and, and cover this specific world of Jenkins. And it will be very, I'm not sure if it's a good, it's a good uh, example because Jenkins is very popular. There is you know, millions of articles about it, but let's say take it as an example. And I want to start targeting audience that talks about Jenkins or read about Jenkins. I will start generating articles about Jenkins and I will not walk or, or generate articles my, about my product that is relevant to that matter. Okay. Because no one knows about that. Now you bring the top of the funnel traffic. The next step is what we called, what we, what we say, you know, considerations stage, okay? So the audience in, in, in the first stage learned from you about Jenkins, about the, you know, how to do things and also what are the pain points that you solve, but they don't, that they didn't still heard about your solution. Now that when they are recognizing the pain points and they see you as a brand in the world of Jenkins, sorry for my example, but this is the example we have right now, they would like to see a solution. And they will try to see what are the solutions in this world. And you need to start generating articles at this stage, what we say, a verse article. You need to publish articles that does take your product versus other competition or deal with the options in the market, okay? If you have a cyber, if you have a security issue with your Jenkins, and this is what your product does, you need to talk about the security options, how to protect your Jenkins environment for that matter. So you can do best practices and, and versus articles in order to help them solve this problem. Even do it yourself articles that do the job at this, at this stage. Then when everybody knows about your brand and they know that you are one of the solutions. The, the, the third stage, the, the third stage is what we what we say a converting content. So basically, you need to do, you need to show off your product and actually do, for example, guides on how to use your product to solve these pains. But then you know people really need to know your brand, need to be attached to your brand, understand that you are a solution. And when you publish this article, it basically helps them to understand that you are the one they need. And from this point, they will go to your trial option and sign up for the trial and maybe use your product for the rest you know, of the, ten, of the next five years. But if I need to very quickly capture you know, the purpose of the content is actually to support the, 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 the life of your, cust- of your potential customer and customer across the whole you know, uh, life of, of, of them starting from attracting them with the funnel, give them an option uh, or, or a solution, even do it yourself, then show off your product. And even if they are your customer, you want to continue and retain them with content that will make them still feel 
that you are a leader, you are a thought leader, and you're a thought leader in, in this world, and they can continue on trusting you and trusting your product. This is one side of the story. After this, any, any questions? No, I mean, for me, it's what you just said exactly shows why you need a content strategy, right? Because you're exactly. taking customers step by step. You're taking it, uh, you know, by the hand, if I may. Mm -hmm. You know, explaining what what this is, what the, I don't know, the, the, industry, the industry looks like, you know, pros, cons, different exactly. things to consider, and then slowly leading them, you know, to your product and how, you know, the, the types of problems this, you know, product solves. Uh, exactly. For, you know, whatever works in the industry. So exactly. And, and to add just one more thing very quickly is that sometimes, you know, you mentioned trends. Sometimes when I'm writing articles that start with, Gartner says that the world of cybersecurity and DevOps will grow by 30% in the next quarter. I'm as a developer, I'm getting, you know, I'm, I'm getting uncomfortable with the sentence. And I will just close the, the current tab. Okay. When you are targeting tech people, target them with deep tech content that is based on expertise. And this is what I said right now. It's obvious, but because people, because it's very hard to generate such a content, marketeers are, you know, are, are doing the mistake and going back to do this. I, you know, Gartner says articles, and this is a very, very important tip, maybe the tip of this session, uh, of this podcast right now. A deep tech articles to support the traction of the developer and generate this bottom-up adoption that you are looking for. Mm, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I totally see your point. And, you, you know, you... You just mentioned it and you mentioned it in the beginning that, you know, creating good content is a challenge, right? So uh, can you share some best practices for building a tech content production machine? You know, IOD, I know IOD is one, but if someone, you know, wants some in-house help or, you know, approach the subject on creating relevant content, but, you know, on a steady basis, what are your best practices for it? Mm -hmm. so, 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 so there are a lot of best practices. Yeah, and there is there is a lot, you know, God in detail. So there is a lot of things that you need to know. But let me try to to maybe to package it in a very quick way for people that are listening right now. First, the base of the the content generation or the production or the you know some 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 people say that we are a factory of content. In your in the factory of content needs to be based on real knowledge, real experience. So first, a writer is, is, is important, but where is the expert? And where is the researcher in, in, the, in, in this production? Okay, this is the first thing that you need to think about. The second thing that you need to think about is that, and this is always a problem with the marketeers, or people still think about, I need someone who will create an article. It is never one person. It is always a teamwork. And, and you can see them write, going to a writer and failing, and then going to an expert, you know, some small blogger that they found, and, you know, they're failing because the English is not well enough. Um, eventually, if, if people understand that this is a teamwork and they understand what are the skills required, then they will be able to separate duties and generate a production that is solid, 
right? The Toyota case, right? You build that, and then the, the next step you do that, and then the next step you do that. This is exactly the case. And the skill that you need in order to build such a production team is starting from three. And this is very, and you know, again, there are things that are in the heart, in the heart of IOD, and I think that needs to be in the heart of every production team of content, specifically for marketing. One is the expert that has the knowledge and the experience. Second is the writer who knows how to write. And the third is the editor, because an editor is a different skill than a writer. Lots of marketeers doesn't understand that or realize that or recognize that. Once you have these three skills, you can, but real skills, not a writer that is happen to be someone who knows about cybersecurity because they write about cybersecurity. No, an expert that deal with cybersecurity, a writer that knows how to write for cybersecurity audience, and an editor who knows the lingo. Once you have these three skills, and in IOD, we separate them also as people, like expert is an expert, a writer is an writer, an editor is an editor, and there is no expert writer or an expert people, then you have everything that you need to generate any piece of content, whether it's high level for C-level and writer can do it with an editor, or whether it's a very deep tech article that an expert needs to generate the first draft because there is scripts and there is a a snippet of code that needs to be done. So, so these are three skills, but it's not just that, you know, the team needs to, needs to also have a production manager, someone who knows when an article starts and ends. So we talked about the need for expertise. We need to talk, we have to talk about, we talked about the notion of a team and there are much more than that when it comes to best practices. For example, okay, I don't think that people are still doing it today. We are a company that generates content, so this is in our heart of the business to, to, to monitor the production timeline. How much time could you generate an article from today if you start with a topic? When it will be released? In two weeks, in three weeks, in a month, or two months? Marketeers comes to us and say, listen, I can do this article in a, month, in a week. Why it takes you a month? If they will start measuring, they will find that it takes them more than what, they, what, the, what the, the perception in their mind is. It takes more time because it's a team effort. It takes more time because it's a research base, because it's an expert base, because people need more time because they have other things to do. Specifically, if you are using your internal experts, which can be a button. And, and one more thing that I will say from a best practice perspective is, is the hybrid approach, okay? And of course, I'm, I'm promoting my services, but I, I really believe in it, okay? Do you need to generate content in-house? Your CTO or CEO needs to allocate the time for the rest of their life and on a monthly basis and generate a draft that an editor can come fix or work with the writer to generate an article. And this is what, they, what I say in-house. But you also need to take content from outside and this will help a marketeer or help a tech brand to establish a production line that is predictable, that is sustainable, and that is recurring, okay? Content is not that you're doing one article and you leave and that's it and you get all the leads in the world. You need to generate content consistently every month, generate two pieces, four pieces, eight pieces, 20 blogs, one white paper, but every month, every quarter, like a mantra. You need to rely on several sources within your 
company outside of your company and run that in a way that you know that next month, next quarter, you will have the same capacity at least and you can grow it when time comes. And this is very, very important. And not try that with a single writer that you brought in-house or a single freelancer that right now not answering your calls. There are more best practices and there are more specific details, but I don't think that we have the time to go into every detail in this call. Yeah, I really wish we could because as you were talking, mm-hmm. I, I kept notes for myself too. So, you know, I'm sure there, there are people out there that uh, want to hear more from you. And uh, if so, how can they reach you? If they want to reach out to me, they can just go to www.iamondemand. I am on demand.com and just or look at LinkedIn for feel much money. I assume you, you will have it in the, in the description of the podcast and feel free to reach out directly. We are very responsive and we'll be happy to help. Perfect. I will make sure to add it. And, uh, you know, to close on a positive note, what are you watching or, you know, reading right now that got you excited? Besides uh, the WeCrashed, you know, the series, you heard about the series WeCrashed? I'm sorry, which series? You heard about WeCrash, like the, the story about WeWall. Uh, this is some, uh, just an anecdote. <laughs> Check it out. But, but in the context of what we are talking about, um, right now what is interesting to me is uh, mostly the case of the movement of market. Because, because, because IOD is involved into the world of marketplaces, you know, we have you know, 500 freelancers, talents, you know, experts, writers, editors in the world of technology, cloud, DevOps, cybersecurity. You know, we are kind of on the verge to become a marketplace, basically. Uh, and there is this notion of, and this is what I'm researching today for our own business, which is very interesting, is how the gig marketplace, like the Fiverr, you know, you can buy a logo for $50, how it, this has evolved into the world of talent marketplace or even knowledge marketplace. You know, in the past, there was this notion of people saying, listen, they have 200,000 people in their marketplace and, and it's a very big marketplace today with you know some other you know marketeers or or, or, or even our organizations do not look do not look for such environments where there is a very big pool of people and they need to find the right person and it takes them forever and eventually they let they leave them you know with just one logo they are looking for talents and they're looking for talents that will help them and solve their problem for a long time where there is a learning curve and actually outsourcing, you know, the work to talents outside that will run with them for years. And this is our, this is what we are doing. Like we give our customer a talent, whether it's a, an expert or a writer that has a vast experience and they learn the customer and they become part of the team of this customer, although, you know, they are freelanced freelancers that would make sense yeah yeah that's that's very interesting i hadn't really thought about it but you know by going online you know here and there i could see that there's differences and that there's you know things have been changing so it's very interesting to hear from you so ophir thank you very much for joining us it's been great having you on the podcast Thank you very much, Saris. It was, it was beautiful. Thank you very much for Slash Data for inviting me in and for our partnership. And I'll be looking forward to hear this podcast and of course, you know, talk again in the future whenever uh, we want to. 
Oh, we'll definitely be talking again. Let's not keep our listeners in this discussion for now. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the DevRelX podcast, the podcast devoted to developer marketing and relations. You can listen to all episodes, find free resources, the latest news, and join our community at DevRelX.com. And you can always subscribe to our bite-sized bi-weekly digest or follow us on Twitter at slash data HQ. Thank you very much. Thank you very Thank much you. to our listeners.